Thank you, Kyle. <clears throat> thank you, praise team, and thank our choir. Thank all of you for taking part in worship. It's been a great time this morning already. If you brought your Bibles, turn to Habakkuk. Turn back to what we looked at last week, Habakkuk chapter 3, and we want to look at verse 1 and uh, 1 and 2 of Habakkuk chapter 3. This morning I want to share with you a message entitled, What is Revival? What is revival? What is revival? Taken from the same passage, Habakkuk. We'll look at Habakkuk. And, um, you know, last week we dealt with the same verse. but We'll see it in a different light this week, prayerfully. Habakkuk chapter 3. And we'll look at verse 1 and 2. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet on Shigonoth. O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to come and worship you today. Thank you for the songs, the hymns, songs of praise we offered up to you. And so, Father, in the last song that was sung, as Kyle sang a few minutes ago, we look forward to that day. We don't know when that day will come, but one day we'll be made completely new, and we'll be like our Lord Jesus. But until then, help us, we pray, to be faithful as we remain here, Lord, to share your word, to share the gospel of grace and how people can come to know salvation, how they can experience forgiveness of sin, of guilt, and a home in heaven that you have so graciously offer to everyone who by faith would trust in you. We pray for every person here this morning. For those who have rejected you, I pray today they would receive you. And for those that have received you, may we experience you in a new and fresh way. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I mentioned last week we spoke from this same passage in a message entitled, Revival Needed! Exclamation. If you remember, God had given the prophet Habakkuk a message to give to Jerusalem and Judah. And prior to Habakkuk chapter 3, God had used the Assyrians to destroy the northern kingdom of Samaria. And now he's going to use the Babylonians to destroy Jerusalem and Judah. And so the point is that God's people had turned from God. And they refused to repent and they refused to turn back to God. Therefore, because of their resistance of repentance, confession and repentance, God would bring judgment and destruction to Jerusalem and to Judah 
and used the Babylonians to do it. And this did come about in 587 B.C. Isaiah 10 verse 5 says, They are the rod of my anger and the staff of mine indignation. And so God is telling Habakkuk, I'm going to use the Babylonians. I'm going to use the enemies of my people. And they're going to be the rod of my anger and the staff of my indignation. And basically God gives the same message to America today. And he says to America, you cannot continue in your wickedness. The same message to Jerusalem and Judah. You cannot continue in your wickedness. You can't continue in your idolatry, in your immorality. You can't continue in your blasphemy. You can't continue desecrating my holy places and my holy things and not face the inevitable judgment of Almighty God. If America thinks that we can continue on the same path that we're on now, without the judgment and the destruction of God upon America, then we're sadly mistaken. We would almost have to be blind and godless not to understand that God is willing, but also able to raise up bitter and ruthless and godless communist nations to chasten us or to discipline us. I hope before you leave today, you can understand that point. That God is angry with America, and God will use the enemies of America to discipline America if America doesn't repent and turn back to Him. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Hebrews 10 verse 31. And so what's our, what's our, what's our recourse? What can help us? Verse 2, O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In wrath, have or remember mercy. And so I pray today that if you're not saved, that you'll be saved. And I pray today that if you are saved and you've turned away from God for whatever reason, that you'll return to Him today through confession and repentance. Friend, listen, we need revival. We need a renewal of our relationship with God. If I ask for a show of hands, I believe if we're all honest with ourselves, preacher included, we could not say that we do not need a fresh encounter with God. I know I do. And God's really spoken my heart this past month, maybe two months. And I've seen God work in a lot of different ways in my life and the lives of others. And I, wanted to, I want to see Him work in your life. And so with this realization in mind, revival needed, this message today is simply this. What is revival? If we need it, Brother Sammy, what is it? The message today, what is revival? Now some people think that revival is just a date on a calendar that the preacher sets or the church sets, and then, you know, it's just a day. It may be the first Sunday in June or the second Sunday in July. It may start the first Sunday in August. It's just a date on a calendar. You know, I had church to call me 
some time back, and they said, Brother Sammy, we'd like for you to come and, and preach in revival. And I said, well, what's the date? And they said, the first Sunday in August. And I said, I said well, let me check my calendar. And I looked, and I said, well, I have something that date. I can't come. I'm preaching somewhere else. I said, what about another date? Well, we've always had it the first Sunday in August. Like the Holy Spirit can't work except the first Sunday in August in that church. I'm going to miss it and they're going to miss it. The revival. <laughs> Some see it as just a date on the calendar. Some see it as just when you have a guest preacher to come or a guest evangelist to come. And they preach for, you know, four or five sermons. They preach and that's revival. Just when a preacher comes, an evangelist, and preaches a series of services. So what's revival? If you're taking notes, jot this down. Number one, revival is a Christian word. Revival is a Christian word. Revival is a word for the church. Revival is a word for the saved. When we speak about revival, we're talking about saved people. We're talking about the church. We're talking about, we're talking about Christians. Revival is a word for the saved. The lost are dead in their trespasses and sin. They don't need revival. They need to be resurrected. They need to, to be born again. They're lost. They're lost spiritually, they're dead spiritually, they're just a dead person spiritually waiting for a time to be buried. And they need life out of death. That's the lost person. But it's the believer, it's the family of God. They're the ones who are to be revived. So it's a, it's a Christian word. It's a Christian word. You know, there's so many churches today that are just without spiritual fire. And by that I mean without the moving of the Holy Spirit. They're just, you go into the church and you just sense there's no movement of the Holy Spirit. There's no fire in that church of the power of God in, working in that church. There's nothing there. You don't sense anything there. I read the story sometime back, way back, about a little monkey. And a little monkey got away from its owner, its master, in the middle of winter. And it went outside. It kind of lost himself. And it was cold. It was real cold. And he wandered around. And finally he saw a farmhouse. And he walked, he wiggled up to that window of the farmhouse and looked in. And there was a big fireplace. And it had a fire in that fireplace. And so he kept circling that house and he found a way in and he went in and he ran up to that fireplace and he put his little paws up to that fireplace and he waited and he waited and he waited and he waited and he froze to death standing in front of that fireplace. Because what he thought was a fire was nothing more than a painting of a fire. The point is this, there's so many churches today that have a fake fire fake fire. It's not real. It's something that perhaps they planned themselves and the Holy Spirit had nothing to do with it. It's an illusion that they're, they're in, quote, revival. Why is that? 
Because the Holy Spirit of God is not moving in their congregation and they have to force something themselves. I don't want a fake revival. I want a genuine revival led by the Holy Spirit of God in each person of his faith family. So we have to always desire a fresh encounter of God. So what is a revival? First of all, revival is a Christian word. Revival is a normal word. When I mention revival, sometimes that scares people. We're not seeking and praying for some type of strange experience to happen that's never happened before in regards to perhaps uh, something weird that takes place. People see a lot of strange things and they hear a lot of strange things, weird things, where people are laughing and rolling on the floor and running around in the building. That's not revival. That's not what we're praying for. Revival is a normal word. It's not abnormal. It's the way that we ought to live. Revival is just simply the way we ought to live every day of our lives. Serving God, sharing the gospel, growing in the faith. That's revival. And if you're not doing that, you need a fresh encounter with God. Revival is a Christian word. Revival is a normal word. But revival also means confession and repent, uh, confession and contrition. God, forgive me of my sins. Oh God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my stubborn pride. Forgive me of my unfaithfulness. Forgive me for refusing to worship while worship's going on. Forgive me, Lord, for, for being bitter. Forgive me for being unforgiving. Forgive me, Lord, for my sin of lack of a burden. Forgive me, Lord. Revival means confession and contrition. Revival is coming before the Lord in deep confession. Deep confession. Getting down deep confession. Lord, forgive me of this sin and that sin. And forgive me of my secret sins and those that I've kindly tucked away, pushed away, and don't think about anymore until you bring them up. Revival is coming before the Lord in deep confession and contrition. That's why the old time churches had mourners benches up front on each side. Because people in the congregation back then, when the Holy Spirit was really working in their lives, they got under conviction and contrition, and they would run to those benches while the service was going on, and get on their knees and weep and cry out to the Lord for God to forgive them of this sin, that sin, or the sins they confessed. The mourner's bench. Why the mourner's bench? Why contrition? I'll tell you why. It's not easy. It's not easy to forsake sin. It's not easy to deny the flesh in your life or my life. It's not easy to live a revived, victorious Christian life. It's not easy to do. So we must pour out our confession out to God who, who knows our every action, every thought, every sin, and with a broken heart, seek His forgiveness. Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, nor his ear heavy 
that he cannot hear. But your iniquities, he says in verse 2, have separated you from your God. You think you're praying? Oftentimes we're just talking to ourselves because our iniquities have separated us from God. Do you have a burden for a loved one that's lost? Do you have a burden that brings about a contrite heart that you weep for a, a family member, a neighbor, a friend, someone who's lost? Paul begins Romans chapter 10, verse 1 with this word. He says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel that they may be saved. That was his prayer. Praying for Israel to be saved. You see, listen, it's not revival. It's not revival. It's not some Christian, some uh, uh, Christian plateau that we're on, or we think we're on, when we don't, or when we go for days, perhaps in weeks, and never think of the lost who are around us, next door to us, next to us at work, in the classroom with us at school. We think we're some hot shot Christian and we go weeks and months without praying for those that are lost? And we don't think we need a fresh encounter with God when He left us here with that great commission? We're on mission with Him to win a lost world to Himself. We have a lot to cry about and be contrite about. So revival means confession. Revival means contrition. It's a Christian word. It's a normal word. It's a confession and contrite word. But also, revival is a spirit of oneness, unity. Revival is a, is a word that brings togetherness. Revival is oneness and unity and togetherness in the Lord. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Listen to this. Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. It's kind of like we are here today. All in one accord in one place. I'd rather be here than anywhere else I know of today. One accord, one place. They were all given to one great dedication. One place, church. One place, gathering together. One accord. One agreement. That's where they were. That's what they were doing. That's revival in the church when everybody comes together in one accord, in one agreement. I love Mountain View Baptist Church, and I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the people. And God intends for us to be family and to love each other and to help each other and to work with each other and to build the kingdom with each other. One accord, one place, serving together, joining hands together, being co-mission with God and reaching a lost world to Himself. We are all to be one mind one place, all loving each other and serving God in like faith and like commitment. That's revival. 
I found an illustration by Dr. W.A. Criswell, and uh, he's one of my mentors. I, I love to, to uh, read about him, think about him. I have a Bible, the Criswell Study Bible, and he autographed it at the Southern Baptist Convention one year, and uh, I treasure that. He gave an illustration about, tells about an article that he read in the Life magazine. That go, I, used to, I used to love to look at Life magazine. And this illustration demonstrates the benefit of unity. Listen to this. He says, and I'm going to quote all this, On the inside of the magazine was a story of a Kansas wheat farm. And out of the little home on that Kansas wheat farm, there wandered a little boy, a little bitty boy. And this little fellow wandered into the vast cornfield, and he was lost. And the mother, when she found it out, oh, she was so distracted. She went to see if she could find the boy. And the father was called, and they went out to look. And the rest of the family looked, and the neighbors were called, and they looked. And they could not find that sweet little boy lost in thousands of acres cornfield. Finally, one of the men said, quote, Let's all join hands and comb the cornfield until we find this little boy. End of quote. And they joined hands and they combed this vast cornfield and they finally found this little lad. He was dead. And the picture, Chris Will said, the picture I saw in that Life magazine, the whole two pages here and there, in the background was the picture of the vast thousands of acres of corn, and, and in the foreground was the father with his family and the neighbors on either side, and the father is looking down at this still, silent body of this little boy, and underneath is the caption that he was saying, Oh God, oh God, that we had joined hands before. And then this is what he says. He said, oh, this is what we ought to do, dear church. Oh God, joining hands, one in faith, one in spirit, one in accord, one in love, one in ministry, combing the great city and the community in which we live. Revival, revival is a spirit of oneness. That's what revival is. But revival is a spirit of thankfulness and gratitude. Thankfulness and gratitude. Listen, this morning, did you pray before you came to church and, and, and said, oh God, thank you for the blessings that you've blessed me with. God, thank you for being so good to me. Thank you for being good to me. And thank you for being good to mine, my family. Now, church family, listen. God has been good to us, too. Riley touched on it just a little in a very critical time of our life. He used other people to come to us and help us. So he's been good to us individually. He's been good to us as a faith family. And we should always continue to be thanking, thanking him for that. Revival is a Christian word. It's a normal word. It's a confession and a contrite word. It's a spirit of oneness, unity, togetherness. 
It's a spirit of thankfulness and gratitude. I'm going to close with this real quick. Revival is a spirit of response. Response. Revival is responding. God's people responding to God's call on their life, God's people to experience Him in a new and fresh, to have a new and fresh encounter with Him. That's revival. Responding. Responding. Don't think for one minute that God won't use our enemies of America as a rod of indignation to discipline His people. And don't think God won't use whatever to discipline us individually when we walk out of His righteousness into a world which we don't belong. God is wanting to bring revival to America and He's wanting to use you and He's wanting to use me. He's wanting to use believers to do that. But He can't use an unclean vessel. He can't do it. So God's looking for holy people, not perfect people, but holy people, those that are set aside, separated for His good use. He's looking for holy people through whom He can work to reveal Himself to a world that is watching. Don't you think one moment they're not watching. God needs clean vessels, clean people, and a clean church. 2 Peter 3, verse 11 and 12 and verse 14. What kind of people ought you to be, Peter says? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God. One day, Cal, thank you for singing that song. That you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Verse 14. And making every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with Him. Are you at peace with God as a believer? Here's the point. Spiritual awakening, where great numbers of people come to know Christ. All of that, that spiritual awakening is waiting out there. Huge numbers of people coming to know Christ all of that is put on hold until God's people experience revival. Second Chronicles 7.14, you ought to know it by heart. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins and I'll heal their land. They're waiting out there a spiritual harvest, a spiritual awakening, numbers of people to come to Christ, but one thing must happen first. Revival with God's people. Christian, if your flame, if your spiritual flame is smoldering today and you've got more smoke than you have fire, You've got more smoke than you have Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit zeal in your life. Your sins have separated you from God. 
you need to come today. Kindly make this altar here a place of confession and contrition. And friend, if you're here today and you've never been saved, if you're viewing this program, Facebook or YouTube, you need to confess your sin of pride and humble your heart wherever you are and ask Christ to forgive you and to save you. One song we used to sing is the Invitation Hymn. And it goes like this. I'm just going to read it. Let Jesus come into your heart. Today, let Jesus come into your heart. That's what you need to do. If you're tired of the load of your sins, let Jesus come into your heart. If you desire a new life to begin, let Jesus come into your heart. Just now your doubtings give o'er. Just now reject Him no more. Just now open the door, throw open the door, and let Jesus come into your heart. You'd be willing to do that today. As He stands there, knocks and pleads with you, don't turn Him away. He's got so much in store for you. Forgiveness of sin. No guilt. No shame. Creating a new person. Same on the outside. Something changes on the inside. So much to live for. So much to live and to do in the world for Him. Let Jesus come into your heart. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to share this morning and how you spoke into our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for each person here. May we truly experience genuine revival. Genuine revival. Forgive me of my sins, O oh God. Please, I pray there's not anything in my life that would hinder this prayer. But I pray, O oh God, you would speak to people today. And Lord, let revival Start behind this platform, or this pulpit with me. Continue to speak to my heart where I can improve my relationship with you. And may you be honored and glorified in this invitation today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.